Would you grab your copy of God's Word? Stand with me for just a couple more moments, if you will, and go with me to Hebrews chapter 12, familiar verses of Scripture to start this new year. Hebrews chapter 12, we'll begin in verse number 1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, or the author and finisher of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Father, This is your word, so we know it is already anointed. So now we simply ask that the Holy Spirit would ingrain it on our hearts, that you would do more in these moments, Lord, than I could ever do myself, and that, Lord, we will hear clearly from you and we will respond, and we will be a people who seek you and who want to run this race well and finish well so that we can be with you for eternity. Thank you for speaking to us. Have your way in these moments, we pray in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen, amen. Amen. You can be seated. If you rewind one chapter and you go to Hebrews chapter 11, you'll find that the writer of Hebrews identified multiple Bible characters, ordinary people, who persevered in the journey of faith in God. They faced some obstacles. They faced some hardships. They even faced some of their own falling short in life. But they persevered in the journey of faith in God. We really learned three key things, probably more, but at least three key things in Hebrews chapter 11. Number one, we can persevere on this journey no matter what we face. Whatever you're in right now is temporary. Whatever you're facing right now, whatever you're dealing with right now, it's temporary. It doesn't last forever. It may just be a season or a moment, but we can persevere no matter what those challenges are. Number two, the journey is worth the outcome. It may be hard some days, it may be tough some days, but there is a finish line and the journey is worth the outcome. And number three, if you get nothing else out of Hebrews chapter 11, you can find that even among ordinary people like you and I, the Lord is faithful. The Lord is faithful. How many people today can testify, even when you weren't, God was. Even through some tough moments, God has been faithful. So after you reflect on all of that truth from Hebrews 11 and read of all of these Bible characters through history, it's with that history in mind that the writer of Hebrews encouraged us to run with perseverance the race marked out for us. And if I can challenge you on the front end, the writer of Hebrews was saying it very simple. Maybe I'm just simple-minded. Don't give up. Don't give in. Don't give out. Keep running. Keep going. Keep pressing on. Keep believing in God. Keep believing in His Word. Keep believing He's faithful. Keep believing that the same God who brought you through something before will bring you through this present moment and lead you forward. Keep on going. Don't give up. Some of you today, that's the message you needed more than anything else. Don't quit. Don't quit. The goal isn't just to start the race. The goal is to finish well. There is not a runner in his right mind. And maybe that's a sermon in and of itself right there, that one little short sentence. There's not a runner in his right mind. (laughs) 
There is not a runner in his right mind who endures everything that he endures to get ready for a race. The eating well, the training hard. There is not a runner in his right mind who does all of that just so they can take off from the start-finish line when the gun sounds to start the race. He has trained to run it all, despite what the challenges may be. He's trained that he can press through the cramps and the hunger and the struggles and the fatigue. He's wanting to finish the race. And our goal is to run this race well and to endure whatever comes our way, and especially with the help of God. We have these people who testify to us of the journey with God, and we ultimately are calling today to follow that pattern. We want to endure. We want to run the race well. We want to finish the race. Here's what we know according to Scripture. There is a reward for those who faithfully run the race. There is a reward for those who follow Jesus in this life. I want to challenge you to remember that there is a finish line. The Apostle Paul, who just by following Jesus went through so many things in his life, he said these momentary afflictions are just temporary and they're light compared to the glory that we will experience, the weighty, heavy glory of eternity with Jesus himself. It may be hard some days. It may be tough in some moments. It may be challenging to put one foot in front of the other. But when it's all said and done, it will be worth it all. This is momentary. This is light compared to what we're going to experience for eternity. I didn't ask your permission, but I hope I can preach a little bit this morning. There's a reward for those who faithfully run the race. There's a finish line. And even in this life, if our finish line is going through death in this life, it's just the starting point of an eternity with God with no sin and no more consequences of sin. When we finish this journey, Scripture teaches us that we won't receive a medal like a race on earth, but instead we'll be given a crown of life. And by, the Bible tells us that we will be with Jesus. And hear me, I, I understand how great and wonderful it is, just like this morning, to spend time with Jesus and to be in His presence. There's something about these moments together. And, and, and I think we're emotional beings. So I think sometimes even the emotional side of it, God knows that we need that comfort. We need to feel tangibly His presence so that we're encouraged. But there's going to be something special about finally standing face to face with the victorious champion who gave his life and rose again and to never be apart from him forevermore. You know, we talk about eternity and we talk about the reward of having no more sin and no more consequences of sin. We love the thought of no more pain and no more suffering and no more tears and no more death and no more sorrow and all those things are incredible. But I'm convinced when we actually get to heaven, all we're going to be thinking about is Jesus. To be with the King forever. There is a reward at the end of this for those who faithfully follow Jesus. So the writer of Hebrews, in Hebrews 12 verse 2, in the New Living Translation, it reads, We do this, we run this race marked out for us with perseverance by keeping our eyes on Jesus. 
Scripture calls him the author and perfecter or the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. He's where faith begins. We have our belief in him, and he is the one who brings our faith to completion. That one day, it will no longer be just by faith we're walking, but it will be by sight when we stand face to face with him. The race starts when we recognize our need for Jesus. When we put our belief in him, believing that he is the only answer for sin, for our sin problem, for our black heart, and believing that he is the only way to know God the Father. We are saved in that time. But the race continues by faith in Jesus. We continue to believe in who he is. We continue to believe in what he has said. We're not just forgiven of our sin. Praise God for that. Amen? We're not just shown grace and mercy. But in turn, we are centering our lives around Christ and his word and his desires for us. We're aligning and positioning ourselves towards Jesus. Our lives are reoriented. No longer are we living for ourselves. No longer are we living according to the world system that tells us how we ought to live. We are living by Jesus and his word. And if it aligns with that, great. If it doesn't, it's not for us. Fixing our eyes on Jesus is first about loving him. It's about commitment. It's about making that decision to follow him. And I'll go on record today to borrow a term that in 2024, I pray, there is a revival of our first love. I pray that whatever's going on in our lives and whatever's going on in this world, that it will be all about Jesus in our lives and our love for him will be more than enough to carry us through whatever we're going through. That our love for him will grow. And when our love for him grows, it alters the rest of our lives. When we are fixed on Jesus, it's a relationship with him. It's intimacy, it's nearness, it's recognizing his voice when there are so many voices in this world. I I honestly believe, and I pray you'll hear a pastoral heart today, I believe that this year is not a year to live on the fringe with God. But I believe this is the time more than ever that God is calling us to a deep dive To be all in with him. It's all in or it's nothing. And I think it's going to be pressed more and more like that. That we're either all in or we're not. But if we go all in, we're saying we're going to pay attention to what God says in his word. And we're going to have an ongoing conversation with the king of kings. And we're going to invite the Holy Spirit to work in our lives. Because when we do, we will experience his power and we will experience transformation in our lives. And when that happens... Our thoughts, our habits, our words, our actions will be shaped in alignment with Jesus and his word. Now the writer of Hebrews went further. He said also, while you're keeping your eyes fixed on Jesus, recognize Jesus as your example. Recognize him as our example of perseverance. Verse 3, because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now he is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. Jesus ran his race while he was on earth. He completed this life. He completed the mission of God. Lest you forget, the cross wasn't easy. He endured. And ultimately in our lives, I know it can be really easy for us to get swallowed up in what we're dealing with. It can be easy to get swallowed up in the challenges we face. But I want you to remember, not only are they temporary or momentary and light compared to eternity with the Lord, but they also could never compare to what Jesus went through for us. 
He did it because he knew that on the other side of death and resurrection was opportunity for you and I to be saved, for you and I to have relationship with God the Father. I'm going to give this to you the way I feel like the Lord is speaking it to us as we're in this new year. The world is, when we talk about fixing our eyes on Jesus, the world is full of confusion and will become more blurry. Only Jesus will remain crystal clear. I want you to hear that. I want you to digest that. I want you to remind yourself of that. I want you to live by it. The world is full of confusion and will become more blurry. Only Jesus will remain crystal clear. I want you to understand, and I, I, I'm not actually a glass half empty kind of guy. I'm more of a glass half full kind of guy. I'm more of an optimist. I have a little bit of realism in me too, probably, but I'm more of an optimist. I, I believe that even though as dark as the dark is, it, there's still opportunity for light to shine. Light shines bright in darkness, right? But I'm well aware that in our world right now, there are a number of things that are teetering on the brink of controversy, of chaos, of challenge. Jesus' followers may get trapped in the bullseye of all of it at some point. It's going to be very important that we have our eyes on Jesus and that we know his voice. The Bible says, let us run with perseverance this race marked out for us, that we are lives that are centered around Jesus and experiencing his power because if we try to do it without him, we're not going to make it. Life is not life without Christ. So, instead, the writer of Hebrews said, let us throw off everything that hinders, and the sin that so easily entangles. So we're told in Scripture that our focus is on following Jesus, keeping our eyes on Jesus, keeping our lives centered around Christ and His Word. That's the only way I'm going to run this race well. That's the only way I'm going to finish this race well. And so I am going to be determined in my life, with the help of the Holy Spirit, that if anything keeps me from running this race well, or if anything would keep me from finishing well, or if anything keeps me from my life being centered around Christ, it's got to go. We want to run this race with perseverance. And we don't want anything dragging us down. We don't want anything holding us back. I think again of a runner, and the writer of Hebrews was using this imagery in the writings, this runner who is trained day after day, time after time, working on getting those, if you're running a marathon especially, working on getting those times down. You want to be able to run each mile in a quicker amount of time, and they eat different, and they, they do these things different with their diet, and they know how they have to eat, especially right before the race as well. And when they get to the starting line, the author of Hebrews had this in mind, those runners would take off any of those outerwear things. You may come to the starting line and wear an outer jacket or outer zip-up, kind of like the NBA players when they rip off those outer clothes and the jerseys underneath. Those runners would come to the starting line and they'd take off everything that was not going to be important while they're running. Any of those outer garments, we're just going to drag them down. It was going to create it, and it actually, I think that's a scientific term, the drag that would be created, the, the resistance, if you will, that would be created. I can't run as fast. I can't run as well because these extra clothes are catching wind or these extra clothes are dragging me down. I thought about this morning, and then I thought better of it because someone would inevitably get hurt. 
I thought about having someone come up and starting them from this point and having them run around and do a lap around the auditorium. I just knew it wouldn't end well. (laughs) And after they ran that lap around the auditorium as fast as they could, and they're winded, maybe that's just me, and they're winded, then I would bring someone else up and put them on their back, and they'd be a piggyback rider, and I would send them off again to run another lap around the auditorium. Now, they could probably finish the lap, but it wouldn't be as easy. There'd be a weight holding them down. They're already exerted a lot of force and a lot of effort. And so what we're talking about today is letting go of the things that are going to keep us from running well. Letting go of the things that are going to drag us down and distract us, but instead keeping our eyes on Jesus, our focus crystal clear on Christ and away from anything that keeps us from Him. So what did the author of Hebrews talk about? Well, first... We're going to talk about it this way. He talks about sin and hindrances. I'm going to talk first about sin. The great sin of the Hebrew people during this time was their unbelief. They didn't take God at His word. They had a tendency to want to try to still keep the Old Testament law of God and try to do it in their own way of getting to God rather than believing that Jesus was the Messiah and the answer for their sin problem. Now, it might be unbelief in you that you may have some, some struggle and some doubt that you're wrestling through, but I, I probably would guess that you can identify where your area of sin or temptation is in your life. Usually if I ask that question to someone, they've got a pretty good idea of where they struggle, of what's tempting, of where the enemy may try to come against them. A person can usually recognize their area of vulnerability whether it's immorality, sexual sin, greed, gossip, deceit, disobedience, we could go on and on and on. Maybe it's even another thing. Maybe it's what God has brought you out of in saving you and has brought you out of that there's a temptation in your life to run back to it. Scripture teaches us that we are to throw off or throw down the sin. That we're to bring it to Jesus and experience His freedom and His power. Not only to forgive us, but to free us from the power of sin and give us the strength and the power to resist the very temptation we might face. I think we lose sight of that sometimes. I think we believe in God to be able to forgive us, which is the greatest miracle of all and the greatest spiritual change of all. But yet when God says in his word that we are no longer under obligation to sin and no longer caught under the power of sin, we seem to think that there's just no answer. Well, I was born this way or I lived like this or this is how my family was. We can come up with all the reasons why we just have to keep living the way we're living. And God says, no, when you came to me, your chains were broken and I am setting you free to live unto me. You don't have to keep doing those things. You don't have to keep living. I'm not telling you you'll never be tempted. I think everyone is tempted at some point. Scripture says that. But God gives you the power to stand firm. God gives you the power to fight on. God gives you the power to not go back to the things he's brought you out of. I think about what Paul wrote, the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9. Don't you realize that those who do wrong will not inherit the kingdom of God? Don't fool yourselves. Those who indulge in sexual sin or who worship idols, who commit adultery or male prostitutes, practice homosexuality or thieves, greedy people, drunkards or abusive or cheat people, none of these will inherit the kingdom of God. Notice this, some of you were once like that. Notice he is separating 
the people who are living that way, who are, I'm not talking about falling to temptation and needing to ask for forgiveness, but you're trying to follow the Lord. I'm talking about deliberately giving over your life to these things on a constant daily basis. The people who are living in these kinds of ways are not the people that are trying to follow Jesus. You once were like that, but you have been cleansed. You were made holy. You were made right with God by calling on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of God. I freed you from those things. Don't go back. Don't give way to those things. I brought you out of the world and the world system and the world way of thinking and the world's way of life. I brought you out of that to live a new and better life, a new and better covenant, an abundant life in me. Don't go back to the bondage. Don't go back to the sin. Don't go back to what's going to drag you down and keep you from running the race well. The visual that I've always used is it's one thing to be focused on Jesus and have moments where we struggle in our flesh. We're still living in this fleshly world. We're still living in human skin. (laughs) It's one thing to follow Jesus and fall short and get back up. It's another thing when we're not paying attention to the Lord, not focused on Him, not focused on His Word, and we're just living to whatever pleases us, whatever the world teaches us, whatever feels good in the moment. And what Paul's describing here are people who have given themselves over to these sinful things. They're not even trying to follow Jesus. But God says, I delivered you who are following Jesus. I delivered you out of that stuff. So now follow with me. So now run with me. In 1 Thessalonians, Paul goes further to say, stay away from every kind of evil. Or maybe you know it like I do, raised on on more of a KJV version. Abstain from the very appearance of evil. Now, I, uh, I know that people think I'm probably a little over the top when I say this, share this. But, but it was, um, any time that we've done this, certain times of the year, I, I like to, uh, to have a bottle of sparkling grape juice. Anybody ever had sparkling grape? Welch's makes it, and it says non-alcoholic on the bottle. See, immediately, some of y'all were wondering where that was going. I could tell. I, I like white sparkling grape juice. I think it tastes nice. I, I, I don't drink it all the time, but I think it tastes nice. I, I've never had a sip of alcohol in my life. So it's not comparison. It's, it's just that I like sparkling grape juice. I don't even want to put it in a champagne glass, quote unquote, because people think I'm drinking. I have been in a store. Ember can verify this. I have been in a store before. And I have put a bottle of sparkling grape juice. By the way, it ain't even on the alcohol aisle, in case y'all are wondering. It's on the juice aisle. I can't believe how much y'all are judging me right now. I put that bottle of sparkling grape juice in my cart before. In the South, we call those buggies. But I put that bottle of sparkling grape juice in my cart. And I kid you not, I have taken a picture of that bottle and sent it to people. Whether it was my wife at home, whether it was somebody on staff at one point working for the president of a college, I sent him a picture of it. And I said, "Here's here's the deal. I don't want somebody across the store seeing what's in my cart and develop a theology about it being okay to drink thinking I got alcohol in my cart. You chuckle. But do you know how many pastors and leaders have fallen? 
Do you know how many people can get caught up in things? And so I'm not looking to create even the appearance of evil because I recognize, and you should recognize too, because it's not just for leaders, but you and I should recognize that even the very appearance of evil can lead someone to develop thought processes about those things. I've had people tell me, well, I think it's fine to drink because so-and-so drinks, and they hold that so-and-so person to be this really high level spiritually. So they think it's okay to do all of these things because so-and-so's doing it. I'm going to share my heart. Rather than trying to do as much as we can like the world and still get into heaven, why don't we run from sin and love Jesus and keep our eyes fixed on Him? Let me say it this way. Uh, As a pastor and, and even as a pastor among other pastors, I hate to admit it, but I've seen these conversations. The questions come up, and the typical question is, and if you've asked me this, it's okay, don't fret. I'm not throwing you under the bus today. But the question is, is it okay for a Christian to do this? Is it okay for a Jesus follower to do this? And I'm asking the question, why are we trying to get so close to the line without going over? I grew up with people talking about, well, I just want to get into heaven. If I can just get in by the skin of my teeth. I don't know if that's a phrase in Minnesota. Y'all all know Southern people are uneducated. I mean, y'all, this is not new. That was a joke, too. That was a joke, too. I got friendly Georgians on the front row about to slap me. I, I once heard somebody sing something about, just give me a mansion right outside the gates. You didn't make heaven. What are you talking about? But on a serious note, I see so many people, it's like, can I live with one foot in and one foot out? Can I love Jesus and can I still have a little fun with the world? I'm telling you, I firmly believe this is a year and this is a time in our world where it's all in with Jesus or it ain't. It's all in with God or it ain't. And it's time for us to stop trying to be like the world and stop trying to get as close as we can and still make heaven. I'd rather love Jesus and run after Him and be more like Him and be changed by the power of God. So let's throw off the sin. And I'll go a step further. I think it comes back to what we talked about earlier. When we talk about keeping our eyes fixed on Jesus, and we talk about it being love for God, I think the more we walk with Him, and the more our eyes are fixed on Jesus, and the more we love Him, the less we want all that junk anyway. You can call me old school. You can call me from the south. I don't care what you call me at this point as long as you don't call me late for dinner. But you can call me whatever you want. My point is, I, I, don't, I, I don't understand. I, I think the more we walk with Jesus, the less our appetite wants the junk of the world. Why? Because I've tasted and I've seen that the Lord is good. I've been with Jesus. And, if, and, and I think about moments like today in worship, but even in our personal time, and how much greater is it going to be in glory with our King? I don't want this junk. It can't satisfy. It can't fill the void. There's only one who fills up my heart. There's only one who loves me this way. And His name is Jesus. I want Jesus. I don't want the junk. 
So he talks about, the writer of Hebrews talks about sin, but then there's, interestingly enough, in this passage of Scripture, there seems to be something else here. Go back and read these verses again. Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Now, I don't want to make too much of this, and I don't want to take too much liberty, but it seems like there's some difference here. It seems like there's the sin thing, and then there's also the hindrance or things that are going to distract us. So I would go far enough to say we want to throw off the sin. We want to be set free from the power of sin. We don't want to give in to temptation. We want to follow Jesus. I would go far enough to say is it possible in our lives that there are things that are hindrances to our walk with Jesus that may not be inherently evil, but they're taking our time and our attention and our priorities and they're actually distracting us from following Jesus. The more we fix our lives on Jesus, the less we desire the things of this world. Some things are great to have in life. And listen, before you, before you, before you think that I'm saying you shouldn't have any fun in life and, and uh, you know, you should just work all the time and be praying every other minute and, and uh, that you can't do anything. That's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying you can't own good toys to play with at a regular basis. I'm not saying any of that. In fact, there's scriptural evidence for the fact that God gave us things to enjoy. What I'm saying is there comes a point where we can spend so much of our time and our focus and our lives on things and on this world and on what makes us comfortable in life and so on and so forth that God ends up getting the leftovers what, what would happen with a people that go all in with Jesus and want nothing more than Him? Didn't we just say earlier, if we seek, we will find? Knock and the door shall be opened to you. Ask and you shall receive. It's all in Matthew 7. It's all right there. So, if we believe that and we also believe that God's got so much more He wants to do in our lives than what we could even think or imagine... Why wouldn't we want to lay down anything that keeps us from experiencing that? So, so what, if, what if there are things that are hindrances, that are distractions, or that are time consumers, or that are taking our brain space and our heart space, that maybe they're not necessarily evil. Maybe, maybe it's just a matter of moderation. Maybe it's just a matter of prioritizing our time well. What if our time spent with subscriptions or socials or social circles keep our time away from God and His church and His body? What if there are things in our lives that you say, well, I'm, I'm not engaging in any of these behaviors, but some of the things that you're paying attention to are actually drawing your attention to those behaviors and cause you to think sinful things. Does it really matter? Well, Scripture says that sin first is conceived in the thought life before it plays out in your hands and feet. So you tell me, does thought life really matter? So maybe it's, maybe it's not something you're engaged in, but you see it and you hear it and you're, you're paying attention to it. Or are our priorities aligned around Jesus? Let me go a step deeper since you're so comfortable with this conversation. Are you carrying any baggage that's keeping you from running this race well? Hurts, wounds, offense, bitterness, resentment, unforgiveness... 
Scripture says that carrying those things in our hearts not only hinder and hurt our relationship with other people, but they can actually hinder and hurt our relationship with God. can limit our prayers. So I don't want to carry any baggage into 24. I don't want to carry any baggage further in my life. It might have been hard. It might have really hurt. Whatever it was. But if I allow it, it will become a tool of the enemy that actually drags me down rather than me being able to come to Jesus and release it and move forward without it. What about relationships? Am I in the right circles of life? Are my, I'll ask it very simply, are the people I'm friends with, are the people you're trying to, to date, are the people you're considering for marriage, whatever the case, are those people pointing you to Jesus or are they... Pulling you away from him. Distractions. Hindrances. We often talk about what to do, and we should. We should follow Jesus and fix our eyes. But the author of Hebrews is very clear that we are also supposed to throw off these things that could keep us down and keep us from running well. And, and when I read that language there in Hebrews 12, it's not just to, okay, I'm going to casually address it. It is with an adamant intentionality. I am throwing this away. I am throwing this aside. I don't want this anymore. I don't want to live like this anymore. I don't want to do these things anymore. I don't want to be surrounded by this anymore. I want my focus and my race to be centered around Jesus. I want to run well, and I want to finish well. And if anything's going to keep me from doing that, it's got to go. It's got to go. Let's take that seriously. I, um, I think about some of the some of the video games I played as a kid, whether it was things like Mario Kart, which has come back around. Doesn't everything come back around again? I got to tell you, though, just a quick warning. Some of those fashion trends that come back around, don't do it. <laughs> just don't do it. But I remember, I'll think about Mario Kart, because my girls actually have Mario Kart on the Switch at home. And, and uh, I think about... You turn one of those corners in a Mario Kart race and there's a banana peel somebody left and you didn't know it. There's a barrier there somehow and you didn't know it. And I, I think about running this race and how there are things that can become weapons against us, things that can become landmines, things that, that we don't want any of that to hinder our race. We want to throw it down Throw it away, cast it aside, bring it to Jesus, focus on Him, be empowered by Him, and not live in that way so we can run this race well. I hope, I hope you're hearing the heart of this message today. Would you stand with me all across the room if you're where you can? and If you're online, I'd love for you to take some time to think on this as well. If we have prayer team members in our service today, would you come and go ahead and begin to make yourself available? If, if you're new to EPAG or you just need the reminder, in a few moments I'm going to pray over you. And I just, want to, I just want to make sure you know that when I finish praying today, you don't have to feel obligated to run away from this moment. It may be that today God is really speaking to your heart. Uh, it may be today, like others have described today, that, that God has said something to you that was specific for you today. And really, that's the question we should all be asking. God, what are you saying to me right now? What, how does this apply to me right now? Is there sin in my life? Or is there, there, is there hindrance in my life? Is there distraction in my life? How does, this, how does this need to change? Lord, I want my eyes fixed on you. I want to run 
this race well. There are people that will also pray with you if you have needs in your life. And you just need somebody to pray with you and agree with you and even encourage you. There are people who will do that. Would you just bow your heads with me today? I want to ask you, can you you identify anything that's keeping you from running this race well? We talk about sinful things as defined by Scripture. Not not defined by our judgment. Not... uh, not uh, subjected to our opinions, not what the world has to say, but when we talk about Scripture and we talk about what, what God has to say about our lives, are there, are there sinful things in our lives that, that we are giving way to, to temptation? We're giving in to some of these things, and we need to be free from that because it's not, it's not helping us run this race with Christ. Maybe today you just need to bring that to Jesus and say, Lord, I'm recognizing this is an area of weakness and I want to grow in your power, Holy Spirit, to help me say no to whatever these things are. Maybe it's, maybe it's coming back to your first love. Maybe it's re-engaging in a deeper relationship with the Lord because it's that love for Jesus that's going to be your greatest motivation to living the life and running well. It's not going to be just your self-ability to manhandle the problems in life. It's going to be the help of the Lord. It's going to be your love for Jesus, wanting to honor Him and His power through you being able to resist the wrong things. Maybe today it's a hindrance. Maybe today you recognize you give a lot of time, a lot of energy, a lot of effort, a lot of a lot of space in your life to things, and you're recognizing, you know what, those things don't have a lot of eternal value. They're, they're not helping me keep my focus on Jesus. Maybe you're even saying, it's actually doing the opposite. It's, it's causing me to, to shift my mind away from Jesus and to think on things I shouldn't think about. And whatever the case today, I want to challenge you to center your life around Jesus. Keep your eyes fixed on Him. To run this race with perseverance through the trials, through the challenges, through the temptations, away from the distractions, to keep your eyes on Jesus and understand there's a reward at the end of this race. God, I pray today that in these moments you have done so much more than I could ever do. And I just trust, oh Lord, that your Holy Spirit will speak into hearts and lives. And I pray there would be a growing freedom from sin or hindrances, wrong thoughts, wrong motives, wrong actions, whatever the case, Lord. I just pray, oh God, we would all lay it down. We would fix our eyes on you. That our love for you would grow more than ever before as we look at you, Lord. As we look at your word, as we recognize just who you are and what you've done and what you promise. Oh God, I pray our love for you will grow more than ever. We will be, God, truly revived in our first love. And out of that love for you, oh God, we will throw off by your help, throw off every sin and every every entanglement and every hindrance, every distraction. That we will recognize more than ever how important it is to keep our eyes fixed on you, Jesus. Would you speak to each heart? And would you help us to respond, Lord? Father, I pray as people pray and seek you, as people pray for one for another, as people talk through this message today and in the days ahead even, God, I pray. Would you bless them and keep them? 
Would you make your face to shine upon them and be gracious to them? Would your countenance, your favor ever be turned in their direction? And would you grant them your peace? Would you keep us well and safe and whole? Help us to run this race with perseverance, to run it well, to finish well. And would you even work through us and speak through us to inspire someone else to follow you, Jesus? We give you praise today in Jesus' name.